good to see you back for what happens to be our 246th episode of ThinkTechWise Human Humane Architecture, and you are past our 13,000 viewers. So thank you for that. And we are broadcasting live from the opposite ends in the world again, uh, from Honolulu, Hawaii, Bishop Museum with you, DeSoto Brown. Hi, DeSoto. Hello, everybody. And me, your other host, Martin Despang, from near Munich in Germany, back from Honolulu last week via Chicago in the Midwest. And so if we can get the first slide up, uh, thankfully, we have consultants and advisors, as Jay Fidel, who rightly so addressed us, uh, that we please continue to report on what should be on our mind these days, first and foremost, which is the horrible crime against humanity over in the Ukraine. And our uh, exotic escapism expert, Susanna, brought to our attention uh, that we should address the most recent uh, tragic crime of humanity, uh, the shooting in that school in Texas, where um, uh, uh, you know two handfuls of people, predominantly very young ones with, who had the life uh, still ahead of them lost their life because some stupid guy having taken their life uh, through shooting. And uh, I wanna quote some material that she has um, uh, given to us. And that is that uh, 73 mass shootings have been happened within the last 10 years. Uh, there are 40 million weapons and you DeSoto are gonna address that in your country, which is also my country because I also owe the American citizenship on top of my German, so I can't sneak out of that one. And in the last 40 years, there were 128 attacks, more than 1,000 people died, almost 200 of them in school. And uh, you see that little uh, quote up there in the middle of the black, this is a screenshot that the Bavarian uh, local uh, radio TV here had been uh, broadcasting uh, Senator Chris Murphy from Connecticut who said nowhere else uh, do little kids go to school thinking that they might be shot that day. Nowhere else does that happen except here in the United States of America. And it is a choice. America's gun problem is a choice. Pass laws that make this less likely. And also we quote um, uh, President Biden here below, as you can read, President Biden said on Tuesday night, last night, these kind of mass shootings never happen with that frequency uh, that they happen in America. He said, why do we keep letting this happen? And uh, your take on that, DeSoto is? Uh, first of all, it is shocking and horrible that these occurrences are so commonplace now that we just think, oh yeah, another one, um, which is horrific. And one of the things which has become conflated in the United States culture, which is mind-bogglingly bizarre to me, is the right-wing support not only for gun ownership and free, free access to guns for everybody, but also the, as I said, the conflation of guns with Christianity in the right-wing world is goes beyond bizarre because it's absolutely the anti the two things are the antithesis of each other. And yet they are put together as though guns were sacred, guns are worshiped. And literally the phrase, the God given right to bear arms 
is something which is repeated by people who support this. And yeah. therefore, it's tremendously ingrained with a significant part of the population in the United States. And I cannot be able to say, and here's the magic solution, because I don't know what it is. Yeah. But that's, there we are. And they, they haven't even done any further investigation. So one, no one knows why. And, you know, and we're all wondering. And it certainly uh, has to do with the complexity of societal issues that are all intertwined and interwoven. But if we want to cut the angle back to architecture, what are what role does architecture play? What kind of negative role? I'm always starting my lecture about uh, school diners uh, in my introduction to environmental systems, pointing out to what wasn't the first, but the one that many of us uh, remember most vividly is the Columbine shooting in 1999 in Colorado. And uh, if you look at that school diner uh, that in which that happened, it's a horrible space. It's artificial lighting, it's dropped ceilings in the most cheesy way. It's just trashy put together. And you know the medical realm in their sort of analysis of, of illnesses basically in the 70s have identified buildings, uh, some bad brutalist buildings that exist as well. And these were like not by the masters who invented it, by all the copycat guys who just followed the style and didn't really know what they were doing. These buildings have been then analyzed and identified, diagnosed by the medical profession and they called it the sick building syndrome, that people literally get sick in, in certain buildings. They're deprived of natural elements, of daylight, of fresh air, all these things, and nature. And in, on the, uh, in the other side, there must be a healthy building syndrome in buildings. And we want to encourage everyone in our realm, in our discipline and professional, uh, to basically go that route. And uh, we have just been uh, befriending uh, Philip Moiser, who's a publisher from Germany, who asked us to help him to write the guide about architecture in Hawaii and Honolulu that we're happy. And here uh, we see what else. This is a precedent book that we uh, are, we're told to look into. And although there's a, this is the German version of it, you know what's behind, right? Well, I can see it right there on screen. That's from that's one of those guides that uh, you just mentioned from the the publisher that we just met, and I I got to meet too here in Honolulu. And this is for the city of Hanover. Of course, it's in German, so I don't know what it says, but you know what it says because you read German. <laughs> yeah, it's my hometown, um, and it says architectural Führer. We know is a tragic term we remember from some dark, the most darkest day, not some, the most darkest day in Germany. But in this case, it's meant in a peaceful way. It's the guide, and not the one who dictates. And so it's about my hometown, and it features, amongst others, uh, our uh, first kinder, first passive house off the grid, carbon neutral kindergarten preschool that we were asked to do for our hometown. And it, it got a nice review. And it's basically, if I subsumize it, it says it's a very uh, planet and people friendly architecture. They say it's post-fossil. So it's off the grid and the kids grow up in it. So they know it from intuitively. But at the same time, um, it's a very nice environment where the uh, educators and the teachers are having a great time with the children. The picture I took at the bottom right was when I was doing my post-occupancy evaluation, evidence-based design, life cycle assessment 
um, routine with Lenny here and the director, Mrs. Sivitza, and her designated uh, one who's taking over in one or two years, she said, and you see the kids here, obviously with skin color and eth eth ethnical diversity, uh, where she always says in 2015, the show quote top right there at the bottom right of that one where Chris Chibweta and Siraj Sharif were stopping by, she just had uh, the kids uh, basically um, from, um, from Syria, um, uh, you know, thanks to Putin at that time already. And she said, the more the merrier. Now she has Ukrainian kids. And she said, we are practicing world peace right there in its smallest unit, which is the families, of course, and also preschools and kindergartens where that is practiced. So again, our profession has to do with world peace uh, in, um, on, on different scales. So let's not forget about that. But first and foremost, again, think of the tragic victims and let's, yes, let's do everything with uh, joint forces uh, in all disciplines, in all areas of society to stop this as Biden here correctly claims. Uh, next slide. Um, we gonna go back one should probably dedicate could talk a whole show about it. But hopefully, you know, we're all a little speechless still here. So we leave it with this for now and pick up from there later. Uh, so we're going back to Honolulu, but uh, st stay a little bit in where we were last week, um, DeSoto, which is DeSoto, <laughs> uh, part of the Midwest, right? And you uh, know this climate well. Here's little DeSoto at the very top left in your youth. Yep. That, that's, you... that's in 1961. And that was on a, when I lived in Boston for one year. We went on a trip to New Hampshire in our 1960 Plymouth, and that's what's behind me. And so, yes, I know very well what it is like to go through bitter cold and snow and ice and all those horrible things. Yeah, and I want to remember this my, was my home, this building here at the bottom right and top in the middle. That was Century House in Lincoln, Nebraska, which is only a block away from uh, uh, Bertrand Goodhue building, is most famous, one of his most famous, which is the state capitol, as we see on the show called top right on the left side of it, uh, behind my Lincoln town car. And below there is, again, is Century House. It was a nice mid-century building, 65, built a year before I was built. Um, it basically has, uh, it's a clean, modern, international style. It has a little bay window twist, which was nice, fully glazed. And it was positioned orientation north-south. So I had the choice to either stay on the southern side, which is the one uh, at the very bottom, where I would have had to have the, the curtains pulled closed in the summer and have the AC blasting, which I said, I cannot do that. So I choose the other side, the north side, which was keeping me cool in that, um, in that, in that summertime, but we're talking tempered, meaning very temperamented climate. So how was that in the winter, DeSoto? How did that picture at the bottom left attract you? Well, it does not attract me in the slightest. And there's ice on the inside of the window of your apartment. That's how bitterly cold it was and how uninsulated, perhaps, the apartment building was built in 1965. But that's not someplace I would want to live where there's ice on the inside of the building. Yeah, and I had to turn that, that single, you know, unit uh, machine from 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 
from refrigerating to heating, right? And have that blasting all the time. You're right, technology wasn't really up to, you know, pace and it was uh, thermally didn't, did not connect, uh, disconnected basically frames. And if so, double pane, as you can see here, that wasn't really keeping the cold out. So next slide is a more recent development that gets us back to our typology of mid to high rise. There is a new tower that they built, a slab tower. This is all the left part of this page here is a new development. And our quick check is its orientation. It's facing directly north and south. Um, the north side and the floor plan is also north is up. There's a little N in there, even provided by the developer. So north is that all the units are facing basically with a glass north, which puts them basically the same I was in my, uh, and so you would think so and probably could hope so that it's now triple pane glazed and not quite as bad. From my passive house experience, you cannot make this a passive house off the grid building um, uh, yeah, with passive solar because there's no uh, insulated glass in the world that could justify such massive basically just opening to the north that I was told and taught. And so, uh, but again, uh, at least, you know, for the summer condition that because the cooling loads are still worse and, and more energy, um, you know, ups, um, requiring uh, than the heating loads in the winter time. Also, unfortunately, some units um, uh, at the end units have west and east, which presents the same problem as we in Honolulu. And here, the sun doesn't even come around in the winter to the degree that would really help you uh, passively solar that. But the southern facade here, the solo, reminded you of something from back in the days on the island that you guys had on the roofs of buildings, right? That's right. Well, you were talking about sort of a, a way to passively capture heat. And it's uh, you build a space, you paint it black, it heats up from the sun, and it reminded me of the early types of solar water heaters that were in use here in the 20th century. When my brother, my oldest brother, bought his house, which was built in the 1920s, in the 1960s, he purchased it. It had one of these passive solar water heaters on the roof, which basically was a metal box with a number of back and forth small pipes on the inside with glass over that. And all that did was just get get hot in the sun because it was all painted black and you heated up water without using any electricity at the time of course we thought oh how stupid and old-fashioned we'll just get an electric water heater we don't need that well now we realize that's not the way to do it but you were telling me that this building has a similar type of sort of capture of heat in an enclosed space with a black painted interior well i was hoping so that was wishful thinking talking speaking uh, right because i uh, said um it should have that we call the Trump wall, which was a Belgian yes, right. engineer, where you have that system of a black wall that soaks up the heat and then uh, behind glass, and then you have holes at the bottom at the top. So it gives this sort of, you know, hot air rises up. So it gives this sort of natural flow. So it's a, it's a natural convecture, convection heater just powered by the sun. Uh, with uh, we have the the Lincoln Journal Star, which is the Lincoln, Nebraska equivalent of the Star Advertiser. Both have stars, and the uh, bottom left number nine is the uh, publication of the project. I would say if they would have had that, they would have featured in the article. And kind of ironic at the very bottom right, uh, picture number number eight there. There, that is a publication of some years ago by an emerging talent in Nebraska. 
uh, named Matt DeBoer, who we see on this Zoom in with his lovely partner, Leslie, who's now his wife and mother of three children, wonderful children. And Matt, as we had pointed out in the show, tracing back to 2017 at the top right, had been proposing a similar uh, building volume uh, and, and basically uh, suggestion of very slick and slender slab towers, but they were all basically biclimatic in, 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 a multi, in, a, in a different way. There were three different iterations here that if you're interested in that, you go back into the show. So once again, the audience, the readers have read that, but somehow, I guess, capitalism development uh, water things down to the banal has once again survived here and presented a missed opportunity. Does this make us feel better? Not really, right? Only, you know, it points out to us that this is a national, if not global phenomenon. But again, doesn't, of course, uh, make us feel any better that we have that. We would feel better if uh, we would be the exception to this tragic rule of designing buildings the wrong way, predominantly in the United States. Next slide, um, because um, uh, I'm very proud of uh, Matt uh, continuously because uh, although he is now the vice president and Great Plains principal of HDR, which is one of the largest corporate firms in America, and since America is not going the progressive way anymore, it continues the ever since Reagan reactionary, I can only imagine the conflict of interest uh, that he has, as you can tell, being a brilliant designer, but having to feed uh, hundreds, if not thousands of people. But he keeps up his, um, basically, um, you know, his, um, his virtues and his standards by still uh, taking out the time, I don't know how he does it, to design little things, as you can see at the bottom right, and this is his little tradition a show called Top Right, uh, that was his first one that we featured in that show, and now he did a little uh, new bank branch there, uh, which again is uh, pretty much reminded us of Ron, right? Yeah. You remember what he was talking about architecture being um, you know, uh, being on the stage or being uh, more backstage, more being uh, sort of backdrop architecture, right? Correct. Correct. That's what exactly. he says. We need more good background architecture in Hawaii. And uh, Matt, I think you're a modern master from the same region, Ron being from the Midwest. Um, uh, Matt, uh, Ron, Matt has heard you here. And that, uh, that, that typology of little bank branches, we also know from back home in Honolulu, right? And that uh, point out the, uh, the, the top three little, uh, little pictures there, uh, DeSoto. Yeah, right. And we were discussing as to whether we think this is the Bank of Hawaii or First Hawaiian. It's probably a Bank of Hawaii, but unfortunately at the moment we can't be sure. And this was from a time in the mid-century where the local banks were building innumerable branch banks in a number of different architectural styles, mid-century styles, because the economy was growing so much in those days, and they were being very forward-thinking in what they were commissioning for their customers. Today, we see a number of those banks are still standing from the mid-century period, but because banking is mostly not in person anymore and is done electronically, those banks are closing and the buildings are being repurposed, but nonetheless, we can look at them architecturally and enjoy what they achieved. Particularly in this one, uh, you pointed out that you looked in through the exterior window, took a picture, 
And inside is this wonderful blue tile, which reminded us of the tile that was used for the paving of the um, Mount Akea wow. Beach Hotel. Mm -hmm. And then the Mount Alani Hotel, which was inspired in turn, in turn by Mount Akea. Unfortunately, Mount Alani has lost its blue tile flooring, which has been replaced by wood. But the Mount Akea still has its original blue tile, which is a real signature of that building and is really a part of its uh, fame, I would say. Yeah, and Mount Alani, there's a couple of shows about it with its designer, Larry Stricker, who's a design partner of Ron Lindgren, both with Edward Killingsworth. Correct. So, yeah, so again, the, the backdrop architecture, as to explain background architecture, good background architecture isn't about the big gesture and like jumping in your face and saying, Ooh, I'm the prettiest, right? It's right. like standing in a, you know, back row, being humble and, you know, quiet but nice. And then once you rebrand it, you see its inner qualities, its core values as the beautiful, you know, treatment of materiality here and refinement of, um, of textures and, and, and all these things. Okay, so uh, the blue getting us to the next slide might be also our last one for today. Uh, we are looking again into the relationship of climate and culture. In architecture, we see here the weather chart, and it clearly points out, and then the appropriate clothing uh, uh, is on top of it or below of it. And we see above the Honolulu, we see uh, Philip Moiser here by visiting us and here meeting you the first time in person. And he just coming from Germany, he asked me when I drove him there in our PI mobile, and see on the right, he said, is it like that, like, all the time, like all day and all year and all night. And I'm like, yeah. So, and he, you know, if you come from somewhere else, from these temperamented tempered, you can't believe it unless you are there. So he yet has to acclimatize, as you can tell, probably next time he comes, he would be dressed like you are dressed there. And I can confirm, having known you for a long time now, you are always dressed like that. Maybe sometimes you're sure, depending on the, uh, on the occasion, when you have to dress more formally, you throw another shirt on, but biochromatically in shorts and the slippers, you are all the time, rightly so, because that's the weather condition you have all the time. But in our temperamented, temperate ones, uh, look at us in Chicago at the very bottom left. How do we look there? You're all bundled up because you're in the open car, not unlike the PIing mobile, but uh, in Chicago, the day that you arrived and got picked up by your friend, it's considerably less warm than Honolulu. You said it was in the 50s, maybe, and felt perhaps even like the 40s while you were there. So you were not wearing uh, light, color, light clothing. You had to be bundled up and you got on your puffy jacket. Yeah, and only, you know, the day before, it was almost 90 degrees, as you can read there. And when he picked me up, it was considerably more chilly. Dan picked me up in his Porsche Boxster that has technology that traces back, as you taught me, from the 40s and 50s, which is the automatically retractable roofs. So it can very sort of immediately respond by putting the top back on, turning the heater on if you need so, or putting it back in and let the breeze cool you. So again, automobiles are engineered to be bioclimatically dynamic. Architecture, unfortunately these days, not so much anymore. However, us 
being nostalgic about our Ella Moana building, that is exactly what it did because it had the equivalent of a top that retracts because they were louvers and they were either opening or clothing themselves. And our um, exotic escapism expert here in her back uh, culture, in her home culture, down there, uh, we put in Kiev, which is not where she's from or where she is, but we just also not, don't want to forget the tragic going on there. Uh, luckily, if one can even say so, unfortunately, the temperatures are out of the freezing. Um, at least, um, you know, the nights can still get cold to the 40s. And in Chicago, the third day was uh, like uh, nominally in the lower 50s, but it felt like uh, mid, mid 40s. So they're still fluctuating quite a bit, but they're out of the of the brutal, the, the brutal freezing. So at least the weather is helping a little bit the conditions, because again, if if you can imagine you're bombed out or you're, you're wounded and you know you have to sleep outside but again uh, the the swinging can also be or is very hard on the body not not forget about that you know because the constant temperature we have in hawaii is the best because your body doesn't need to pump again by keeping itself cool and sweating which is quite the effort or again, you having to eat a lot to stay warm or to wear lots of clothes, which is quite an effort, right? Just so to remember us of, again, why paradise is at least uh, theoretically so paradisal, potentially, and how that uh, relates into uh, the architecture or not in this area. We're looking into the Alamoana. We're looking uh, uh, next week, but very quickly about the slides on the very right, segueing into that, because the top right is basically uh, when our PI mobile, which is actually designed more in a way to be only for winters and summers, because when winters come, you throw that hardtop on, which uh, I made you do uh, recently uh, for the reason of keeping it for the summer with you and barely driving it. And it's quite the effort. It's quite heavy, you know, quite <laughs> some is. German engineering. Yes, it is. But when we take it off for the rest of the day, it's just easy breezy, right? Yeah, right. right. So, so that um, basically is the way um, it is. So the easy breezy one you see at the picture at the uh, at the bottom right the building behind is a is a mid-rise a mid-century residential high-rise that has a lot of opacity in the facade so no glass is going to be baked and then if there is glass there is a lanise and so the glass is pushed back so we can say a pretty bioclimatic building while uh, the image of the pi mobile being ready to be stored by you uh, that reminds us in not just the color, accidentally, uh, of the car uh, being the same color of some blue in the background, and we're afraid there would be some glass again that might be fixed. And by the way, also you were you were worried uh, about some crack in the in the in the window of the the hardtop, which you were then happy it's not a crack, but it's a tinted foil that the previous owner basically. Um, you know, glued on to minimize the solar overheating. That just uh, reminds us of the problem of fixed glazing without any shading in front of it. Mm -hmm. right. So how that will play out in the in that building as to start out again when we pick up from there next week that we see there indicated the very top um, in the distance we will leave to uh, next week. And until then, uh, obviously, all please stay very peaceful.
first and foremost. Thank you so much for watching Think Tech Hawaii. If you like what we do, please like us and click the subscribe button on YouTube and the follow button on Vimeo. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn, and donate to us at thinktechhawaii.com. Mahalo.